Hello, Chinemaji family. This is your host, Mark Karaki. Excited to be bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. Uh, this week's episode continues on the investor theme that we started last week with William Gidoui. Uh, our guest this week is the evergreen Jason Musioka of Victoria Ventures. Uh, Jason manages Victoria Ventures' angel network as well as their investments. Uh, and Victoria Ventures is a local venture fund that invests in seed stage startups backed by a network of local angels. Uh, what Jason and Victoria are doing is, is critically important for our ecosystem. We all know that we need more local capital participating in the system, and they are working hard to make this a reality. As you will hear, Jason also has an entrepreneurial background, uh, and he has first-hand experience co-founding a startup from which he learned some important lessons. This is a very interesting story uh, from somebody who's actually been on both sides of the fence, uh, so it will be very informative. Enjoy the podcast. How are you guys doing, Chinamaja family? This is another exciting episode. Super excited to bring you another episode with an with a, a ecosystem friend, an actor who um, I have known for, for some time. And uh, he's doing something very important in our, in our, for our market right now. And his name is Jason Musioka, who is the angel investment manager at Victoria Ventures, right? Yes. Did I get that right? Yes, we and, get it right. And, and Jason, you and Victoria are, are doing something, a pioneering, a move in our market. I would call it pioneering. Pretty much, it's I think. I think you guys are the pioneers. Re-engineering, probably. Re-engineering. <laughs> no pioneering, because... You're trying to solve a problem that, uh, yeah. that uh, is, is quite... Uh, quite critical for the development of early stage startups and just the, the, the growth of the ecosystem. Mm. Um, local capital, right? Local capital. That's what you guys are trying to do. Mm. Um, so I'm sure it's quite challenging. You have probably some very, very in interesting insights and experiences to share with our audience because a lot of people who listen to our podcast are interested in, in that very question in terms of capital and more, more importantly, local capital, where, where is it, why isn't it in, in play and so on and so forth. So super excited to have you on the podcast. Santi Sana, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and yeah, we just start by telling us a little bit about your background, you know, your education background and your career and how you ended up to where you are today. Yeah. Uh, let me start with uh, high school because I think that's the most pivotal stage of, <laughs> of a young man's <laughs> developmental uh, processes. So high school, I went to Lenana School. Okay, you're a Nigerian. Yes, I'm a Nigerian or like born. It depends on which year you finish Lenana. Okay. So yes, I went you, to you guys name the years specific or how no, no, no. There, there is Yorkist, which happened before pre-independence. Then okay. there is Libon that happened post-independence. Post-independence up to I think that the time the school was called changes. It was after them change of principles from either the, the white principles to the <clears throat> to the black principles or but it started around the 80s interesting when Manego came in here right. libels can correct me on that but changes came so the, 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 the latest name we have is changes okay and the acronym stands for a very interesting <laughs> the, if I can if I describe the acronym it would be quite it's quite impressive actually okay we'll not uh, go into, into that because we'll be <laughs> indulging you too much <laughs> that's true. but mm -hmm. my high school career my high school's uh, face of life was very interesting and I think that besides the rugby which you I played play, rugby I played rugby okay you got the shoulders to, you know thank so, you ooh. thank you what position? 
I played several positions actually. Utility man. Utility one. So I, I've tried scrum half, I've tried... You tried scrum half? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. You have to bend too far to pick That is a thing, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> I was out of, I was trying to see where I can fit in because there was a lot of rotation in the team. So what happened is that uh, we were rotating a lot on the team and then also the fact that I didn't have a steady position. So I was trying to see where, where I can, where you can, stay in. Where I can yeah. fit in. So I've tried to play flank. Mm-hmm. I've tried to play second row. I've played second row, mm-hmm. I've played um, scrum off that I described, but my favorite position was fly half. I didn't manage to play it for a very long time because maybe I couldn't tell us for one thing or another, I ended up not playing for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was my high school, and then obviously university, the university. I was doing Bachelor of Arts. Which was, university? Nairobi? Nairobi University. Yeah. It's the only V. It's only the university. <laughs> it's only the right. university. Yeah. So I did um, economics and sociology. And I also did a bit of SCCA in Stratton University. Okay. So that is my academic background. Awesome. Yeah. And and so after that, what was the what was your career path or what did you want to do when you when you you grew up? I've always wanted to be an accountant. My mom is an accountant. Okay. So I've always wanted to do what she does because it seemed to be paying for the bills. <laughs> You're optimizing for bill payments. <laughs> for bill payments. I said, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do what she's doing. So because of that, I chose a, fi- a finance, a finance uh, track. Yeah. track. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up doing economics. I didn't want to do, so I didn't want to just to do finance for the sake of finance. I wanted to do something that has a macro perspective. Okay. So that's why I ended up doing economics. Okay. Is that what, they, what you were called to do at university or how did you finesse that? Because it was BCom? Yes. And then... No, I was called to do that. Yeah. Okay. So I said, okay, fine, what a coincidence. It's okay. exactly something that I wanted to do. So I did economics and I did sociology because I, was, I wanted to do philosophy. But then I realized I was in Stratton, I was taking a bit of philosophical classes. So I said, let me not do philosophy, let me not repeat the whole process here. And the fact that the Strathmore philosophy classes were more detailed, I said, let me stick to those ones. So I ended up doing sociology as well and the CCA. Uh, so I chose that specifically. It was what is the CCA? It's Association of Chartered Certified Accountants. Okay. It's offered by Oxford Books, some okay. organization, institution in the UK. Okay. So I did that. It was interesting. I met a couple of interesting friends there. But um, yeah, and then. I said, let me see where this takes me. After that, I didn't become an accountant immediately. I became a fundraiser. This is interesting. You started econ, yeah. some philosophy, and then some you're going to become an accountant. This. That admixture <laughs> is so like... Yeah. <laughs> um, Those are two different ways of thinking completely. It is, it is. Because philosophy, I think it's important because you need to... The aspect of... Have you met any philosophy accountants? No, I'm just... <laughs> no. Think about that, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, I have. I have. So <laughs> there are very many. He's looking at the spreadsheet and yeah, figuring out how the world works through... That's not the, that's not the correlation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> philosophy helps a lot when it comes to trying to do a lot of critical thinking, especially the logic part of it, and then understanding how to just balance reality. And, uh, but accountants live in a very structured, defined world. It's on or off. It balances do. or doesn't. So there's no like at the yeah. need to be philosophical about that. I'm just saying it's very different, right? Over here you have this kind of like mm-hmm. uh, unstructured kind of like anything can even any argument can 
be, be brought onto the table and so on and so forth. But in accounting, yeah, it's very like these are the numbers and that's it. So when I think about an accountant, yes. they don't have room for the, you know, your opinion or your perspective or any other kind of. Like, so as I'm just saying, yeah. you're probably a, a very. Uh, you, you, you have both sides of your brain, and I know, I know they don't use that framework anymore, but you, you have the, the right and left side kind of working um, fully, fully optimized. That's, that's unusual. Well, I hope so. <laughs> we'll I find out as we I, I hope they're, they're fully optimized. But I, like, I, I just took a liking to philosophy, the, the whole idea of you can interrogate different, yeah. mm. different, different, different theories, yeah. and more importantly, can you come up with a theory that is working for you? Because Besides just interacting with numbers, also you interact with reality. With reality. Or at least you try and yeah. interact so with how, that makes sense. And though you're interacting with reality, how do you... Because everyone has an opinion. So how do you learn to measure a person's opinion vis-a-vis a theory that you have? Yeah. So what are some of the theories that you have you developed or you currently hold? I don't... I didn't develop my own theory. <laughs> at least you adopt, right? But some. I adopted some theories yeah. which I think are very important. At least as far as personal development is concerned. And those are the theories that I try to, as much as possible, get Describe, describe one or two, oh, wow. at least one. Um, I mean, don't treat people, uh, I mean, it, it's a common theory. They're not really out of this one kind of theories or theories that yeah. you've not really heard about. The if they were, that would be weird. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love to write a book about yeah, it, but yeah. since they are very common theories, it's just theories that you've heard. Uh, but it's... How you refine them to yourself is what is more important. How you plug them in your life? Yeah, how you plug them into your life is very important. And I think that is where philosophy comes in. And then it gives you a set of theories. But then how do you now contextualize them to your own space as you interact with people, the type of people that you interact with? And one that I think has been very important for me is just trying to see how not to... It's... You don't know what is you don't you the story the stories behind people's motives and what it what it is that they're doing are very specific to them. So you can't really try to pretend that you understand the person fully based on a few interactions or a few uh, meeting or something like that. So you have to you have to you have to see people you you don't understand people in totality until so so uh, until you've interacted with them for for a very long period. But also more importantly is that you just don't, you can't pretend to understand someone and just to assume that you can somehow define them. Um, that has helped me a lot, especially in terms of interacting with people, trying to see how I can see their points of view and things like that. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So how did you end up at Victoria Ventures? Well, that's, that, now that's the interesting part, because I immediately after campus, I went to fundraising. I went to Stratham University in the fundraising department. They had a campaign, a capital campaign. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to see how they fundraising could... Fundraising for... The investment? It or? was a project for fundraising. So they were trying to come up with a Stratham Business School building, the okay. Student Center building, and a Management Science building. Okay. So you're fundraising for that process, okay. which I ended up interacting with very interesting people and also finding out about more of... Uh, what do you call it? The fundraising process, mm. uh, how do you interact with corporates, how do you interact with philanthropists, how mm. do you interact with individuals who want <coughs> to leave a name for themselves and things like that. Mm-hmm. Legacy. Legacy, endowment fund, things like that. Right. So that was a very interesting stage for me. Mm. And I had a very good boss who let us try things out. Nice. So it was quite interesting to work with him. 
Interesting, because we, we, we at Impact Africa Network, this whole year has just been about that specific thing, okay. fundraising. And we have, we have learned a lot. We have built, a, I feel, a very strong uh, fundraising infrastructure. Okay. I didn't know that you had actually done that. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. I would have talked to you earlier. No, no, no. But I think we, I, we probably have a future together which we, we, can, we can take offline. But anyway, so you, yeah. you went through this process. Were, yeah. were you guys raising philanthropic funding? Or was it no, grant? No. Or was it investment? What kind of fundraising? It was a mix of everything. Um, we tried to rope in corporates. Okay. More importantly, because these, the corporate culture of trying to support educational institutions was not, I don't think it's that mature. mature. Yeah. So we're trying to see how do we tap in. Because of the fact that Strathmore Business School, the target students are executives and people in right. the corporate space. People are going in that direction. Yeah, they're going in that direction. So, why don't so it's you a talent want, pipeline for them. It's a talent pipeline for them. So why don't you also, as corporates, why don't you support the, the infrastructure and that, development yeah. of, this, mm. uh, of the business school? Mm. So that's why we're going with that mm. kind of uh, campaign project. Mm. So that's why we wanted to drop in mm. corporates into the fundraising process so that we can see how we can tap into that and just try to see if we can interest them in this right. kind of activity. How do that play out? It played out well. We got a couple of funding. Mm. Uh, if you go to the business school right now, the couple of rooms that are named after corporates in Kenya. Okay, like which ones, for example? There's a UAP building, there's a transcentury. UAP? Build, uh, UAP room. UAP. A UAP room. And that's an insurance company? Yeah, yeah UAP. Okay. Mutual. It's, it's now UAP or Mutual. Okay. <coughs> but they sponsored a building, some, some rooms in uh, Strathmore Business School. There was um, transcentury okay. that supported. It was what the transcentury lecture. It, I think it's a hall. Okay. I'm not sure what it is. Who else? And there was that. Then Chase Bank. Okay. SBM yeah. now. <laughs> I don't know if they've renamed it, but it's Chase Bank yeah, gave yeah. a bit of money. Yeah. Uh, it's SBM now. Yeah. Um, Interesting. We're we're talking to the same crowd right now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know where I can help because I've spoken to them. Before. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> we're we talking about the podcast. I mean, a couple of we took a lot of meetings, and before these three converted, it was after a very lengthy conversation. Right. How, How do you yeah. plug them in? Do you plug them in from the marketing side? Do you plug them exactly. in from the CSR side? Wow. So you have to... Sound, sounds so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. that, is, that is quite interesting. But at the very least, you get to interact with the corporate side of things and see how people think. look at yeah. think Look at things. Yeah. It's just not about giving free money, but what, what is the value to me, them. Yeah, so you, you get to see a lot of that thinking as well. That's awesome. So this was right after campus. Now you are thrown this into the This was right after campus. I was thrown into the debate. So I did that for three years. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you built a good network of call. Contacts, uh, I would imagine. I did, but it didn't pay off immediately. <laughs> That's a problem. Uh, I, I, maybe I didn't. Uh, I was not too aggressive in activating that side side of network network of things because after that I went immediately into into the corporate side and uh, the kind of company I work for. It's quite interesting because they were doing it was in the PR and communication space. Wow. So you. But I was in the finance. Oh, you're the finance, in the finance department. Okay. Right. Trying to understand how the processes work so that at least you can you can do proper cash management. Okay. And then so that big if, big firm, small firm. What was it was it? a small a small firm, but it was doing something quite impressive. Okay. Yeah. So and then after that, in between that, yeah. in between that, we a friends of mine, some friends of mine with an IT background started doing a bit of projects here, projects there, and then as we interacting with people, people started thinking they need a platform, maybe to run their cash management. And then you know someone who can do, who is, has an IT background, so they can plug into that. And they can develop, come up with a system which can help them do this. 
So I got we got together a couple of friends of mine. So we started doing a bit of projects on the side, and then I went fully into it when I realized that some clients are dropping out because there is no follow through. So if if you either in it or you're not in it. So because of that lack of traction between clients and lack of mm, consistent interface mm-hmm. between clients and ourselves and the mm-hmm. project team, mm-hmm. then I realized that we are missing out on a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, my boss and I, <laughs> uh, decided that it was good. It was good for me just to to go and pursue this full time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to pursue it full time. And then so you are basically building. It was basically custom technology Custom technology. Custom, technology. custom, there was, custom products. Yeah, it's custom products. Right. So you can either use an open source platform and then build on, onto it. Okay. And, or you can just develop something from scratch depending on the client client need. Okay. So we did that for a while. Mm-hmm. It did have significant traction mm-hmm. because also alignment between partners is very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, this was going to be my full time, but also for them, uh, they had careers. So they want someone, want, someone to study, do a master's in idea that meant that they have to leave the country so that wow. is a gap that has been left yeah. there and then others had a very fragile situation and, ex- and then, so then one of them had a family so they need a consistent income so they had to look for a job to support wow. that set of things so that is just so so there's a line alignment alignment issues that, that is so cons- this is the story of our ecosystem we have a yeah. lot of talent yeah but really no opportunity Mm. Opportunity means the space to pursue something and build into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you people have short term needs, mm. and you know you're being pulled in this direction and that direction. Like you said, your friend had to go abroad for education, yeah. right? Or the other person had family, so they had to actually. And that right there, people underestimate how dampening that is to mm. potential to build businesses. companies and businesses. It is the whole process, as you know, right? Mm. You're an investor, so you know. I'm not going to tell you, but that always. It always just, it, it is the African story. It is the this Nairobi story. A lot of talent, not an not, not opportunity to match the talent. Anyway, continue. Yes, and it's funny you say that because recently I was having a conversation with someone else also in the ecosystem and they were telling me that uh, capital in this space does not understand the nuances of local entrepreneurs. This guy, he comes as a package. This is family, this is short term needs. There are the obligations you don't know where they're coming from, that they're there, they have to be sustained. Mm. <coughs> so trying to understand the local mm. entrepreneur from an investor's perspective is very important so that at least you can know and understand the kind of how they react to things and why they're doing some things that ordinarily a well-set enterprise will not be doing. Give me an example of what you mean by that because it's important um, to kind of do. So for instance, you find an entrepreneur who has, who's pushing two or three different business lines. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so what are we funding? Are we funding all three business lines or are we funding one business line? But this exactly. guy, he has cash flow needs. Right. And whatever opportunity comes his way, he's not going to shut his eye on it because he's focusing on one thing. It is good, it is good to focus on something true. I admit that. But also that sometimes you find yourself in a situation whereby you, conditions, uh, force conditions and circumstances force you to take, take opportunities that As you ordinarily tool in tech for you to support something else so that kind of nuance of african entrepreneurs is what you find interesting and it's i think it has over time you have seen it where people have two or three biasharas 
mm-hmm. they're trying to do and then because side why hustle, side, side hustle yes side hustle one side hustle two but the reason for that there's a reason for that survival has to survival yeah. survival so yeah. there's a reason for that yeah. and i think uh, private capital should also be cognizant of that. I'm trying to see. So when you say cognizant, what do you want them to do? Like so, for instance, I mean, if an entrepreneur tells you you have multiple business lines, but if you just want to fund one business line, uh, how do we, how do we understand that you're still not going to still focusing on other business lines? Do we need to understand? Okay, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it is possible to? To execute with that type of scenario, like what it takes to build something. I mean, of this general yeah. question, and then there's specific to a situation, right? Yes. But in general, yeah. what's your take on that? My take. Would you put money into that situation? If somebody's not willing to. As Jason, not as. Yeah, as Jason. Not as Victoria. Mm, as Jason, obviously, hopefully, Jason <laughs> and Victoria are synonymous. As they are synonymous. Uh, yes, I would. I will take a chance on them, because especially where. If the different business lines have potential for growth on their own, I will take a chance on on the on the holding company and try to see what kind of values can I drive in the different business lines and leverage on my network and also on the angel network to see how we can drive value in those business lines. Oof. Okay, I have a completely different view on that. Um, when it comes to innovation, yeah, innovation is is, is about two things uh, in my perspective, my view. Yeah. It's about execution focused execution yeah. and insights the insights you develop and the, uh, all the other capabilities that you develop because you're you remember how you had to come into that company full-time because yeah. you're losing out on opportunity yes right? because yes. it's not a product you can go and give somebody and they pay right mm-hmm. you gotta go take their specs the needs of the customer define them and then translate them okay. so there's a heavy investment in just intellectual time horsepower like like thinking about what is the problem what is the solution marrying those up mm. and then go to market and so on and so forth so <clears throat> so when we're talking about technology if you're talking about other things you know that, that um, anything probably that's not the conversation right yeah my view is, is you have to focus my, my view is, is, is focus in innovation is the whole story and that is why we don't have, in my view, we haven't been able, local founders mm-hmm. have struggles to compete or even to, 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 to lift off, to take off, right? Only a couple, three or four. And if you look at their story, mm-hmm. it was a yeah. focused story. Um, I remember speaking with Ken of Celebrant uh, one time. He, he's completely like bullish on focus. He's like, dude, if you, if you have two or three side hustles, I'm talking to you. That's not the way to go. Like he is hardcore about that. Right. Even and, and I was like, man, you gotta be coming some kid gloves. He was like, nah. So anyway, but back to your back to your narrative. How, where were we, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about uh, how did we end up here? Um, would I invest? In yeah, a company that has multiple products. And, and no, I think we're talking sense. about we're talking about how you know capital has to be cognizant about the needs of. The, local, the mindset, the mindset of a local, of the local context. Yeah, yeah. It is true. I also am a firm believer in, in uh, focusing, but at the very at the same time, like I said, I'm cognizant of the fact that uh, local entrepreneurs just don't have one thing that they do. Yes, and, and that's true. And so I think I think what you I think maybe where we can agree is, don't dismiss them offhand. Don't dismiss them offhand. See if how can we work towards a situation where the focus is part of the plan potential. If they have a strength in one line of business, 
they can focus on that and then they can bring skill sets to start to see how they can drive these other things. I think so. Okay. okay. Yeah. And it's, it's situational. Cool. So, so you um, had a situation with friends trying to build uh-huh. a, a software consulting business. Yeah, yeah. And then it did work out because people had, again, Aligned, misaligned interests. The needs that the African people struggle with. Like, you know, education, need, yeah. family. True. And then what happened? Then after that, a friend of mine wanted to see if they can drive value in the small, in the agribusiness space. Mm. So what they're trying to do is that they wanted to see how they can support smallholding farmers mm. to scale up their businesses. How do you commercialize smallholding, smallholder farmers? Mm-hmm. So they had a very innovative, they had a very interesting idea, which I thought, okay, fine, if it works, it will work. Mm. So let's try to do it. Mm-hmm. So we, again, we went into that. Okay. So that one, I went into it full force. Uh, we tried to see how we can, we iterated over time. Mm. So that lasted for four years. And then for one reason or another, it didn't work out. Anything specific that you can point to? Lack of funding, lack of alignment? What was no, actually, it's not really lack of funding. It's, and it comes back to what you said. Um, you have to be... What I, I say the, the two things that led to it. First of all, we didn't have experience in the agribusiness. Space. Okay. We didn't have experience into it. So we we're trying to see what we had experience with, what we knew. I had a finance background. He's a banker. On his, uh, he's a digital uh, marketer, so he has experience in marketing. He doesn't have experience in agribusiness. So, since you're trying to innovate in the agribusiness space, <laughs> how do you do that in a way that leverages on your experience and also on your background to drive efficiencies and also try to see how you can build a business into it? But you didn't have experience in agribusiness. I didn't know how to do French beans. He doesn't know how to do French beans. But the, the whole thing about it is, in my view, you could develop that over four years. I mean, you can develop that over four years, but I, I imagine you have to have a bit of learning into it. You have to go to school to learn about it. I don't think it's you have to. Right, so here's how I think about this. Yeah. And here's how people actually build into, like, Wanaka Fund, for example. Mm-hmm. Have you ever started Wanaka Fund, which mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that brand. But uh, <laughs> uh, he wasn't a farmer, right? He came to a problem, and yeah. that's just as an example. Uh, the other people, like... Uh, uh, Paris Bossire, what was that? that thing called? Paris Bossire, she's the founder of uh, uh, ah, the, the, basically the, I forget what her startup is, but in any case, she came, she went to Nairobi University, computer science. Mm-hmm. She came from a family where uh, they had that farming in their background, but she wasn't a farmer per se. I guess my point is, the way I think about this whole innovation thing is you have to become a student of the reality of that business. And I don't think that's too difficult to do. I mean, you have to immerse yourself into the situation and just dig in and just be, ex- just, just immerse yourself, right? And, mm-hmm. and really go deep and l- go to understand the conditions that your ecosystem or your customer or whatever it is you're trying to solve for mm-hmm. is experiencing. Go into their perspective and see the world from their perspective. Not very difficult to do. I think uh, a lot of people miss... Um, completely discount the importance of deep market research meaning go in it and actually learn it and, and, and understand it uh, and, right. and, and a lot of people just kind of you know they, 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 and again I think this is in my view this is also a, 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 an issue of lack of the opportunity of time because mm-hmm. that requires time it does, it does. Right? It does. And you're like, look, I need to kind of make money quickly. Mm-hmm. So everybody's trying to kind of figure out the making money part mm-hmm. which could be out of could 
you're completely looking at the wrong indicators, you don't understand the business you're in because you don't come from that background. Yes. So there's a big gap between you and the reality. Mm-hmm. And because people in our market have to quickly make money, they'll never dive into the, the real deal. And that, again, is, is part of the problem. But I'll tell you one thing. This is how I look at it mm. because I think it's if I'm an accountant trying to learn agribusiness, I'll not be as technically efficient as someone who went to study it from at least at the very least. If you're talking about primary production, I mean, for me to understand how French beans are grown and all the way to the, the value chain up to export market. It will take someone who has done it before. Of course, but how long would it take you to actually know that? Let's say you're an accountant. Let's yes. say, how long would it take you to actually understand what you just described? It, now I think I have a good understanding of it, but not in depth. Say, say, any, say any, market, any market, any market, any new market you're going to. Mm-hmm. How long would it take you to understand the, 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 uh, what it, at a high level what, it, what is involved? And what the unit economics might be, and what the friction areas might be, just to understand the value chain, to understand mm-hmm. all the inputs and outputs, and how that flows. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long would it take you, right? Uh, there's this um, how many ten thousand hour rule. You're not trying. To, you're not trying to be an artist. You're not trying to be. You're trying to be a, an entrepreneur. It is true, but also, I mean, you can't. You can't innovate in something that you really don't understand. That's what I'm saying. So you need to understand it. My point is, yes. between, between where you are now yes. and understanding it, it first first level is a conver- is conversation with somebody who understands it. True. Who can break it down for you, mm. draw it up for you, give you a sense, give you examples and examples and examples, right? Yes. You could you could at least at a high level understand it pretty quickly if you're saying, okay, this is the space we're going into. And if you're trying to innovate in that space, mm. you know, that's where you will have to iterate and kind of figure out some nuances. Yeah. But I, I guess me, I'm not. Sure. For me, my, my, my whole thing is first understand what is happening here before you even try and come and say let's do some digital stuff. Yeah, right. It is true. Right? I, I'll give you two scenarios. Okay. <clears throat> I'll, I'll give you this. Uh, this uh, first of all, this is what I mentioned: the ten thousand hour rule before you become actually good at something. And the second thing is, if you look at the some of the most successful entrepreneurs they were coming they, they had a, they had an experience in something what they're trying to come to build their businesses on before they actually did it you know I mean, let's, 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 let's actually let, let me let's actually challenge that right if you look, challenge that if you look at yes. if you look at um and you're not wrong you're actually right in a lot of cases and yes. sometimes those are the best kind of situations because those people have that ten thousand hours behind them they kind yeah, of experience insight in but at the same time there was there's all this other the Facebooks and the whatnot businesses. Elon, Elon Musk, for example, Tesla. There is Travis Kalanick with Uber. There is yeah. uh, what I have learned in from observing, from being in the area and observing those people. Yes, there are those people who were deep in that deep space, in that space and, then and then they build something because they could see the they could see the opportunity yes. and they could understand it better than you and me who are just looking at it. Definitely, no question about that. Yes, but one of the things that you realize is also people choose an industry. These entrepreneurs, some of them, they, they, there's this whole thing about like, which is the great company not being built? Let's go there, let's figure out. Because they love entrepreneurship, not because, and then they dive deep into the situation. So for example, I mentioned Travis Kalanick. Right now, they are building this thing called Virtual Kitchen, which basically is aggregating restaurants in, a, in kind of like a, I don't know, like a, like a centralized kitchen yeah. in urban areas so they can increase the delivery of food 
right? So how did they come across this insight? When they launched Uber Eats, they were realizing Uber Eats was taking off like crazy. And they're like, okay, people are ordering more food in. Okay, what is the what are the issues with that? Last mile, nini, nini, nini. So he's raised $400 million from the Saudi family to build the next transformational company. Uber, it's called a Virtual Kitchen. He was not a restaurant person. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not really doing restaurant business, is he? That's not really restaurant business. You have to actually build the kitchens. You actually have to... So that's just... I think the delivery side is what he's very good at. Actually, you know what they're really doing? Yeah. They're aggregating kitchens. They're aggregating production of food in a, in, in a, in a kitchen setting. That's their That's IP. the core business. That's the core business. And also taking it now to last night delivery. So basically the way it works is, I don't know why we're talking about his business, but yeah. it's basically, it's, malls in the US are kind of falling out of fashion. They're, they're, they're remaining uh, um, unoccupied because Amazon is taking everybody's business, right? Yeah. So malls are dying in the States. And so what's happening is malls are very centrally located in urban areas. Yeah. So what's going to occupy that space? Oh, shit. We can actually create this virtual, we can take this real estate and turn it into virtual kitchens because now we're already at the last mile and we just plug into the delivery network that's already there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a la Uber Eats. A la, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So they've gone into the manufacturing of industrial style kitchens so the restaurants can plug into them on a plug and play model and expand their delivery and their distribution. So I don't have to invest in a another restaurant, I can just Plenty space in your, into yours. But the point being, they have to figure this out. Yes, and, um, point. It's, it's all about, um, like, you, I mean, to your point, if you have really interest in it, then you really learn about you it. You learn it. That's if it. you have really interest in it, you really learn about it. But I think experience has shown that it's, it helps if you, are, if you have background. It does it. help for sure. It helps if you have background in it. Um, because then that's not, not necessary. It's not, it's not necessary. It but helps. it helps a lot. <laughs> my experience, it helps a lot. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. So, so, so you and your friend went through this thing. We yeah. still kind of didn't hit the 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 crux of the matter, which is because why did you guys not? Because you are focusing more on the financing aspect of things as, as opposed to learning the deep knowledge of. Uh, so you stayed in your comfort zone. We stayed in our comfort zone. Instead of learning about the deeper aspects of production, a farmer's experience, farmer's experience. Like how you are saying a local entrepreneur, you gotta understand how they yes. think, what their motivations are. What is the motivation for him to do this? Why is he accepting money for scale? And how does he even do What does even scale mean to them? Because it means it's not yes. just scaling for scaling sex, isn't it? How, what is his production process? Is that the most efficient production process? But so you, you, you have to understand those nuances. So if you, if you, if you, had, if you had to do all of our game, Jason. That's what I do. Right? <laughs> That's exactly what I do. So I you see now you have experience now. No, I have experience. You're, a, you're probably a much better entrepreneur than when you now yeah. than you are. At least at least in that agribusiness space. Not I think you have developed no, you're underestimating what you have developed. Mm-hmm. You have appreciated the importance of diving deep into mm-hmm. the context in which you're operating. Yes. And not staying at your comfort zone. And it's very important for entrepreneurs also. If you're if you're trying, even if it's this, uh, you can't slap technology on anything and then it works. Right. So what is the underlying int- industry? What are the intricacies and the processes exactly. of what you're trying to automate? You have to understand those ones right. before you can come up with a technology that is trying to add value into it. Right. And that's uh, probably what has made you yes. a, a much better evaluator of investment opportunities, yes. businesses, startups, entrepreneurs. And it doesn't have to be plat- It doesn't have to be platform businesses. Even if you're coming up with a QSR, what it, 
how have you understood? I'm also curious how quick service restaurant. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you, even if you're trying to innovate in that space, mm. also try to understand what are the nuances of businesses in that. Speak to mm. people who have been in that space. Exactly. And then try to see how you can innovate and make uh, come up with efficient ways in which you can push your businesses through. Mm. So industry knowledge is very important right. so that you don't have to start from scratch. I think experience is important so that you don't start from scratch at the very least. You have some basic knowledge about the industry and then even if, even if you're trying to even if you iterate your solution and product offering, then at the very least it has a bit of basis and background to it. So let me ask you this. So, so now let's, uh, ha, ha, when you guys went through that process, okay, walk me through what happened. Four years, so we, we have a chronology four years, to your career. So, um, so four years, the first, the first year we tried to fund farmers to, for expansion. So that you realize, okay, fine, also those farmers, they don't have and it ties to, to they didn't have deep knowledge of exactly the the value chains. The inputs and outputs of their the business. Inputs and outputs of their business. They didn't have deep knowledge of it. So even if you scale them five times, then you're scaling inefficiencies. You don't know what you're scaling. You don't know what you're scaling. <laughs> so you just scale inefficiencies and that burned us. So we tried after that we tried to see how can we own the process. So now you start leasing our farm so that at least now you can start doing the primary production because already you have the market linkages. How do you innovate yourself in that space? So you're trying so to become now farmers. You try to become farmers, but then you realize I don't have the time to learn the whole farming methodology and whatnot. So we brought in farm management. But then also once you bring in farm management, you realize these guys don't have skin in the game. The capital risk to them is zero. Zero. So the <laughs> so employees, yeah, so production so doesn't production matter. Production really doesn't matter. If they achieve the targets, they don't achieve the targets, they move, they move to, they the, still be paid. to the next <laughs> to the next person. <laughs> so then I realized, look, if we can't grow the skill set and if we can't on create board, alignment. Create alignment. With the people actually the doing people, the work. Yes, with the people actually doing the work. So this is very important. Yeah. So you guys were almost like investors. Yeah. Right? We're investors in that space. You are not we were not we're not entrepreneurs. We were investors in that space. Got it. It's a very important <laughs> distinction, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's a very important distinction. Understand what you are. Mm-hmm. And actually, it took us the rest of three years after that to realize, actually, we're not entrepreneurs. We are trying to do investments in this thing. So once we realized that, that's, unfortunately, it was at the tail end of, of the business. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, fine, now come, you come back again to the nuance of a Kenyan entrepreneur. Right. Right. Even though you're an investor, you also have to, you have to, fulfill some obligations financially. Mm. And where were the sources of funding coming from? Were you using out of pockets? Friends of friends? Friends of family. So you, you, you created an investment opportunity for people to for people to invest in. Okay. And that didn't pan out as we had hoped. Right. Uh, we took a lot of lessons from that. Right. Fortunately we are still friends with uh, most of them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> some not so friendly. Right. But I appreciate we appreciate at the very least my partner and I we appreciated the lessons that we learned from there, right. and I can't take them for granted. What are some of the main lessons, or key takeaways that you, right off the bat, that you could sum up for people here? That sum you up for people. Mm-hmm. Alignment is very important. And alignment meaning? Alignment, I mean alignment between uh, the resources of the companies and also the partners of the company. And experience and knowledge. Knowing so what you're getting into. Knowing what you're getting and into. And how you're going to How you're going to play it out, and also, coming up with, uh, what do you call it, um, ways in which you can track performance, or at the very least, have a way in which you can gauge the, 
commitment levels of people of you are working with your team and the people that you're working with and the entrepreneurs that you're funding as well. Mm. Trying to come up with those alignments. Mm-hmm. And trying more and an alignment would look like what? <coughs> alignment would look like, okay, fine. If we say we are doing, um, we are giving you money for this. Mm. Don't redirect it for something else. <laughs> Don't be trying to get money. <laughs> 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 Don't redirect it or don't try to take advantage of it or mm. just create a line. Why does that it. happen? Uh, to my knowledge, I don't know. <laughs> but I think you kind of hit on it earlier, right? The African entrepreneur comes with a lot of needs and. Or it could just be that the fact that they found this is easy money. Interesting. This is yeah. easy money. I don't have to. Like somebody's me. actually giving me money. Someone is actually giving me money, <laughs> and I don't have to give them a title deed. <laughs> what are, what are, what are we doing? What, what is this? Doing? What is this? <laughs> Finally, now I can catch up with my friends from a social perspective. <laughs> uh, but wow, that wow. really can mess you up. Yeah, totally. So yeah. that kind of alignment is what we really need. Got it. And people understand. People understand. Measuring commitment is very important, yeah. and alignment is yeah. very important. Yeah. At the very get go, we have yeah. to see those. And I think. How do you measure commitment? Not to cut you off. Sorry. Wow. Uh, how do you how do you evaluate it? How do you value commitment? How do you evaluate it? How do you assess for it? One way of assessing it is just finding out how much of what is their pound of flesh in this. What's the skin in the game? What is how much time effort have they put into this? Not yeah. even cash wise. In cash, because time is time is money. Yeah, time is money, but also you can put in time. But also if if I'm risking my money, if I'm risking my capital to see if. Your product has value commercially. You should also have some. You should as well have some money to that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and that's where for me I come and say if you have if you have two or three side sidelines mm-hmm. and you're still wanting to keep those things going, yeah. if they take your time, if they're just a rental property or a business trade thing that mm-hmm. doesn't take your time, that's great. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah, it's a cash flow. That's a cash flow. Maybe it's fulfilling totally. a personal side. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. And then focus on your business. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, before you establish that product market fit. With some entrepreneurs, maybe it would be good to see what else uh, they're up to, and mm-hmm. then see where they actually have a strong sense of direction and things, and mm-hmm. capabilities, where the passion, and, is, where the passion is, and capabilities are. But of all, all, all investors want to come in at the point of focus. Right. But you would find all entrepreneurs at the point of focus. So Oof, big, big disconnect. <laughs> so, so what do you do? Uh, what do you do? So let me ask you. So talk, tell us about Victoria Ventures. Now that now I think we're kind of circling yeah. this thing. Yeah. So what what is Victoria Ventures? <coughs> what what do you? So Victoria do? Ventures initially it's it has a very long background in the entrepreneurial space. Mm. So what the founders of Victoria Ventures were doing initially was to try to see how they can uh, create capacity. And who are the founders? It's Stephen Google and uh, Yaron Cohen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know, I know them both. Yeah. You know them both? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Good guys. So they're very good guys, very experienced, mm. and very intuitive. Mm. Uh, they were trying to see how can we enhance the quality or facilitate or help our entrepreneurs get a lot of funding. Mm. I'm sure you're familiar with the whole, uh, the whole, the whole notion of local founders don't cannot access capital that easily. Mm-hmm. I'm very much aware of that. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm not sure if it's a notion of it's a fact. <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there, are, there, are, there are articles written on it as well. And for various reasons. And for various reasons. Right, right. Which we can which we don't need to get into. Uh, so because of that they said 
how do we help our local entrepreneurs access local funding? Mm-hmm. So maybe capacity building could have been significant at that point. But then even after doing a lot of that, you still realize there was still a miss. It was not getting the results they wanted. And what is capacity building for just our audience to understand what that meant? What does that actually mean? Investor readiness. How do you talk to investors? What are investors interest, interested in? Mm-hmm. And is a local investor? Yes. How do you position yourself uh, from, uh, from an investor perspective? Mm-hmm. How do you position yourself significantly? Mm-hmm. How do you uh, create efficiencies in your team mm-hmm. for you to attract capital? So, so, so let's talk a little bit about that. Is there is there local is there there is local money obviously. There's a lot of money. Local money. I think so. uh, is there is there an appetite to invest in early stage idea startups projects from local sources? Is there an appetite for that? Because I think that's what they were trying to to That's what they were trying to solve. Yeah. But also you have to understand them. The way local capital works is that people are more familiar with traditional asset classes. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your property here, yeah. your rental there. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're investing in someone, it's very relational. Right. It's the nephew of your wife. Right. <laughs> it's the cousin of your wife. It's, yeah. it's family, yeah. more relational based. Relationship, yeah. So it's not really formalized mm-hmm. in the sense that you're evaluating an opportunity on its, on its merits. merits. Yeah. It's not really formalized mm. like that. So mm. local capital is very conservative. Skittish, yeah. 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 So, so, so I guess the answer to that is what? Is there an appetite though? Like if you created the right situation, would local capital come in? Because you guys are doing that right now. Yes. Where, where are you, if you're on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being this is kind of like oversubscribed, where are we in that evolution? I would say 50. Because there also, there's also a lot of capacity building that needs to happen on the angel side as well. They need to understand how they create a portfolio of investments. And you need to understand uh, what is the proportion of my net worth that I should dedicate for private equity and private investments. They should understand how do I build a portfolio of companies, of investments that can give me the returns that I want. So you, there's a lot of capacity building that needs to happen, mm-hmm. even on the investor side, mm-hmm. not just on the entrepreneur side. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, and I know you guys have been doing a lot of that, right? Yeah. Kind of building networks of angel investors. And also capacity building them. So that yeah, them to teaching come, them. To be, to be cognizant of what this asset class entails, actually. Right. Yeah. What, what, what is kind of portfolio construction, mm-hmm. you know, that type Yeah, of what, and more importantly, once I, yes. And more importantly, once I invest, what is... My role? What is my role in it? Okay. Or how do I create value? Because as an angel investor, you have to create your return. Mm. So it's it cannot be a, a hands-free mm. <laughs> or passive or mm. investment kind of asset class. No, it's not. You have to be hands-on. I don't, I, by hands-on, I don't mean day-to-day. Mm. By hands-on, I mean... Helpful. You, helpful. helpful. You have to be there. As the, one of the founders of Victoria says, you have to be the co-driver. The, the guy, but, the but, 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 but okay, so maybe so this can scare some entrepreneurs because the reason people go into entrepreneurship is because they don't want to be managed, right? They want to actually have the freedom to, but, yeah. to actually express themselves in the world and make decisions. You have to balance that with support, exactly, right? Helpful support. Now, this is not a this is not a u- unique thing to our market. Mm-hmm. This is the tension between investors and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs globally everywhere, right? 
Yes. Uh, and it's a question of how do you construct the right synergy and support infrastructure. So it's not micromanaging mm -hmm. and it's not wild, wild west entrepreneurs out here doing their own thing and you out there and Open there's no for communication. And there's no right. communication. So it's that. Yes. So the, the value addition aspect of it is just, I think, the way we try to do it mm -hmm. in Victoria Ventures is trying, is by identifying what how will we create value and also communicating that to the entrepreneur right. so, so, so up that front. you can upfront so that you can know. By the time you're coming in, we are going to do a bit we are going to be involved in a bit of the decision making process, but not from a, a day to day perspective, but a very strategic least, yes, from okay. a strategic perspective by whereby we're saying we sit on the board and try to see how we can drive value on that side. And also importantly, now that since all of us are interested in the success of the business, I'll also try to see, we'll also try to see how we can, you know, uh, do a lot of business opportunity assessment so that we can create value for them as well. Mm. So it's not, it just doesn't become, we give you capital and then you go ahead and figure it out. Figure it out. No, mm. we also try to figure it out with you as we move along. And I think entrepreneurs should be very welcome into that. Very welcome into that because if they know anything about yeah, what they know, exactly. exactly. Seriously, like if I'm an entrepreneur coming to help me, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, as it, it makes sense, right? But I think that's a very it's it's it, it was a it, it was an old way of thinking. I think now entrepreneurs are more cognizant of the fact that they will start needing capital very early on, mm -hmm. and by, by needing capital, and since you cannot access it from the financial institutions and things like that, mm -hmm. you have to access it from investor, mm -hmm. external investors. Mm -hmm. So they are more receptive to the whole idea of people coming in and driving the business with you as we've mm. done before. Got it. Got it. So the, 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 the mindset has shifted. The mindset shifting. has shifted. It's shifting. Got it. Uh, and, also, Sorry? and also I think also investors are realizing that by making an investment in a company, I don't need necessarily to have control in stake. Yeah. Yeah. So how many investments have you guys made so far? We have made three investments so far. Awesome. Yeah. That's good. Local capital. Local capital. That's but fine. one of them is a co-investment with a foreign angel network. That's fine. Yeah, That's fine. You're making fine. it happen, right? Yeah. You're pulling it together. So you guys have seen some, some outcome from all the work you've been putting in. Yes. If the deals are speak speak for anything, they speak to that outcome. Yeah. That actually some people can place bets in local right. entrepreneurs. Right. They're willing to place bets. And more importantly, they're also willing to contribute to the success of the of the entrepreneur. It's very exciting. So where, where do you think we, we are going? What does the future look like, Vision 2030, if you are to kind of project that <laughs> down based on what you're seeing? Because you're out here talking to entrepreneurs, talking to investors, local capital. You have your, your, the, your, your finger on the pulse, I think, right? In, yeah. in terms of the zeitgeist, what people are thinking, how they're feeling, the motion, the direction of things. Mm -hmm. where, where do you think things are? Where, where, what does the future look like? Yeah. In your, in your view? In my view, the, the future is... Actually, it's very optimistic because now we are getting more and more people who, even without us looking for them, they come and say, look how to plug in into private capital. And by the fact that we're reading a lot of, and this has come because of the fact that uh, there's a lot of news of companies getting invested, getting mm -hmm. investments, mm -hmm. the likes of Cellular and Trigger. If those kind of news are out there, people making investments in companies. They're like, hey, this actually works. Different. So this actually works. Mm -hmm. this, uh, this asset class is actually out there. Mm -hmm. So, so from, an, from an investor standpoint, from an investor standpoint, standpoint, they're coming and then because... Yeah. They're knocking on your door and saying, I want, to doors, I want to participate, I want to see, I'm 
interested in this, how do I learn more about this and things like that because of the fact that they're seeing the likes of Trigger getting private equity investments mm -hmm. and venture capitals and people are exiting. Mm -hmm. So because of that, uh, they, since they cannot plug in at that level, they want to say, okay, where, where can I start yep. at my level? Yep. And we're seeing a lot of that happening. Okay. And more and more and more as, as people, as the income levels keep on increasing, then uh, that one is possible. Yes, that one is also possible, and the sophistication of of people in with capital to deploy is also becoming more, more, more. It's uh, increasing. It's increasing. So because of that, we're seeing an interest being developed into the private equity space, and also the fact that I think the traditional asset classes are also plateauing from a return perspective. The the real estate of the world. The real estate, uh, yeah. the stock market. <laughs> and things like that so we are seeing we'll see a lot of interest in this other side of things interesting yeah that's cool um so so that is growing there's interest from investors obviously entrepreneurs always are interested in money are you seeing an, an evolution in the quality of entrepreneurs i think you mentioned that already are you seeing people who are now kind of ready to approach the building of a company in the right way or pursuing a startup in the right way with the right Alignment thinking, responsibility structures, are you seeing that? They are, but they're very hard to find. Mm. <laughs> yes, um, the quality of entrepreneurs is increasing, obviously, because I mean, uh, we have more and more people trying to venture out into entrepreneurship themselves mm. at an early age as opposed to a later age. Mm. And these people come with a lot of experience mm. from their industries. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that it's now easy to to drive or to come up with uh, solutions that can can get is can get back in. Mm. It's uh, we are seeing the quality of entrepreneurs also increasing. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, listen, um, I'm I'm really happy about what you guys have done. I'm really thankful uh, yeah. for for uh, the founders who actually had the, the the vision to actually say, hey, we need to actually start to cultivate yeah. the knowledge, and it's clearly a journey, mm. and and you guys are, are making strides. So, how did you get involved? What was your, how did you get involved with, with your ventures? Uh, it was a friend of mine told me that uh, Stephen was looking for someone to okay. manage the network, and I said, yeah, this is something that I'll be interested in. Right. So we had a chat with Stephen, and then uh, the rest is history. Cool. And how long have you been? Doing this with them? I've been doing this for one and a half years now. One and a half years. Yeah. And you're also involved with the broader kind of African uh, angel network or investment network. Yes, we are. I know you were just at an event uh, in South Africa. Yes. Right. Uh, what was that about and how, what, what was your experiences with that? So Victoria Business Angel is part of the um, ABAN, which okay. is the African Business Angel Network. Okay. It's, it's the association, association of Angel mm -hmm. networks, yeah. uh, angel okay. networks, okay. And angel, angel investors mm. across across Africa. Mm. So every year there is an early Africa Early Investment Summit happening in South Africa, Cape Town, mm -hmm. which is a joint uh, collaboration between ABAN mm. and VC4A, Venture mm. Capital for Africa. Mm. And what they're trying to do is trying to drive the whole idea that how do we get more syndicated rounds by angel investors and and people that are interest, interested in the early stage space. Mm. So it's more of a meeting of early stage investors and how collaboration can happen among them yeah. and how they see that space growing and what are the key things that they need to be focusing on from a, even from a support perspective. Mm. Yeah, these supportive organizations, what should they focus on more from an investor's interest point of view? Correct. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, listen, um, let me see. One final question maybe I have for you here is, and I think I've asked it, but you, 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 you answered in a kind of roundabout way. So if you're to say, if you're to put like a vision of 2030, yeah. what is Nairobi, what will come out of Nairobi in terms of uh, outcomes? What does that look like for you? What, do you have any, any, any kind of like more uh, concrete way you can articulate that? Or have you, have you not thought about that uh, hard enough? Well, I haven't looked that far into the future. As an investor, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so that's good. It's only 10 years away, man. It's, it's only 10 years away. Um, yeah, if, uh, if, from what I've seen, mm. from what I've seen, if I can say, I think there will be more angel investors. Uh, because, I mean, one thing that we're noticing is the fact that there is a big gap between companies transitioning into the VCPE space because there's not a lot of support at the early stage space. So the pipeline is so the pipeline is so how do we widen that? That is by bringing in a lot more capital into it. So am I seeing a unicorn in Africa or Kenya in the next ten years? I don't think I don't know if unicorns are, unicorns are not necessary. I think just good healthy, many good healthy businesses. Many good healthy many good businesses. healthy kind of like network of experienced operators and entrepreneurs and angels. Mm-hmm. To me, that is what is exciting. What A is unicorn, mm-hmm. cool, but mm-hmm. if we had Gazelles. 10, 12, 15 mm-hmm. solid businesses, you know, like tech cellular to multiply by 10 in, in, in Nairobi. Would that be exciting? That is exciting. That is exciting. That is exciting. So, if from that from that perspective, then I would say, uh, actually, for me, what is more exciting is to see angel investors exiting more, which has to be part. Which ha- which means by definition, you have to have things that things that scale. are scalable. Yeah, businesses that are being have a very good offtake from right. the VC or secondary market or or strategic buyouts. Right. Uh, that would be interesting for me to see more angel investors liquidating your positions. And, is your, is, your and is, your, is your approach say, okay, you come in at an angel level and when VC money comes in, you can actually you can liquidate? Steal. No, you, you can steal. You can steal. You can steal. You can so you have, you have options. You have the options. Okay. But obviously... You construct you your deals in that way and yes. you set expectations that way for your angel network and for your VCs also, partners? Uh, for our VC partners, it's more the off-tech side of things. Okay. So if they but they're comfortable with angels getting off the cap table. Getting off the cap table. Yeah. Yeah, because at that point, uh, the the business is more strategic. It's more clean. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It has been better. It's better structured. Right. And now it's just poised for growth. Got it. So they are more comfortable at that point. Actually, if you have angel investors on board earlier on, it's more attractive to a VC. Right. Yeah. And they can come in and. Liquidate those people. They can come and liquidate you out, or yeah. if you want to stay on board, you can stay you can on ride board. It. But you will get very heavily diluted, so you don't really to stay. Depending on the situation, maybe you can. It all deal by deal. Right? But I love the fact that you guys have this structure where you're thinking about it that way. Yeah. You, our angel, our angels need shorter time horizons. Yeah. To get comfortable, right? Yes. They're not gonna write ten years. If you can give them three, four, five, three years, what are ti- what are the time horizons you guys? Five years. Five years. Five years. To we do five years, and your exits, the exit situation is a VC money coming in, a Series A, I'm a what? What's no. your exit? What's your exit, exit? routes are multiple. Okay. Um, Give me a couple of the way you guys think about it. Like, how do you guys think while your exit routes? Secondary, second, sec, VC secondary buyers are more, more, more will be more frequent. 
because then obviously we will be coming in and plugging them most of the So time. Series A basically? Series A, yeah. uh, it could be early, it depends on who's, who's coming in. Um, but also we try to see if we can get some strategic buyouts. A company coming in and then plugging and uh, taking them off and then they augment that as part of the product offering or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and those are the two that you see. What about, what about shared revenue? Revenue share models. Mm. They too early. They do exist. Mm. Uh, do you guys see them in your portfolio? Yes, 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 yes. We do. We do. We do. Okay. Some other avenue of uh, self-liquidating instrument. Okay. Whereby you say, okay, fine, we can share the top line revenue for the next three, four, five years as we exit okay. at a multiple. Okay. So and actually, I think it's one of those we should be innovative in the way we structure our investments because you can never structure them as convertible notes with the revenue-based uh, revenue-based structures and things. Mm. And mm. Because if it's more appealing to an to an, to an entrepreneur who doesn't want to give a bit of stake in their company, but the company has cash flows to support, yeah, it works to investors. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Awesome. This is great. Uh, thanks so much for coming to the podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to add so people should know about, you know, how they can reach you or anything? Yeah. Um, if you're out there and you're an entrepreneur, we very much appreciate having conversations with you of where we can help and see how we can work together. Cool. How can they reach you? Your email? Yes. Should I leave it with you? Or? Just say it. Tell <laughs> <laughs> them what it is. <laughs> it's uh, jason.victoria.co.ke. Victoria with a K. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Let's go.